the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we're convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. We are in a, a series called Old Gospel, New Life, looking at how the gospel of Jesus Christ gives life 2,000 years later. He's still transforming people's lives in miraculous ways. And so we've been walking through the book of Galatians, which is a letter that uh, was written by the Apostle Paul to this church in a place called Galatia. And they were a church who had began to understand grace, who had received Jesus Christ as their Lord and their King and their Liberator, uh, worshipped him as their God. But then some, some Jewish Old Testament sort of uh, followers came in and began to say, if you really want acceptance by God, you need Jesus plus to kind of obey these Old Testament laws and rules. And Paul writes this letter to correct that, to essentially say that the law was given during this time to prepare us for a Messiah, to prepare us for an age of grace. And if you begin to add your works to God's grace, you actually begin to subtract from grace. You lose grace and you lose Jesus. And so he has just finished talking to them about how much greater Jesus is than the law. And the Old Testament law was a very big deal um, for God's people of Israel. But today, we're going to hit a section where we actually talk about what it means to be sons and daughters of God. And it's at the heart of the gospel. Because everything that Jesus did was to this end, that you would be brought into a dynamic relationship with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And you would be able to be transformed in the core of your being as you understand yourself as sons and daughters of God. And I know when we talk about that God is your father, it brings up all kinds of issues for all kinds of people. Because we all have a birth story and it radically defines us, whatever we grew up with or without. But today, what I pray is that many of you for the first time will receive Jesus Christ as your God, that you would receive your adoption as sons and daughters of God, and that many of you who have known that cognitively would experience it by the Holy Spirit. And so look with me at verse 1 of chapter 4, and we're going to recap what he was saying. He's essentially saying that the law existed for a time to sort of tutor us and prepare us for an age of grace. He says, what I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. And so also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. What he's doing is he's, he's shifting the argument now and he's saying, okay, so if you're an heir, but you're a child... Even though you own everything, you're basically kind of held under this custody or this guardian. You really don't experience the full rights of 
your inheritance until you come of age. And, then he's, and that's what he uses in the illustration to point back at the law. The law that they were lifting up is greater than Jesus. If you obey the Ten Commandments, you've, you obey the Leviticus rituals. Like if you do all those things, then it's actually going to make you more righteous. It's going to make you accepted by God. And he's saying, you don't understand. You've misplaced the law. The law was there to hold you, to tutor you, to hold you in custody, to prepare you so that when the age of grace came, you knew how to live into your true identity as sons and daughters of your father and the blessing of your inheritance. So as he sets that up, look with me at verse four. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. He's saying that the the law had, had a time. It was mundane. It was an elemental, spiritual force of the world. It, It put your spirituality in worldly ways in in terms of the flesh you tried to earn it it was material but when the time had fully come and the time of the law being over and the time of grace showing up he said God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted into sonship Christ entered our humanity. He was born of Mary, adopted by Joseph, lived into our humanity. He redeemed us from the law through his death and he adopted us to sonship. So there's these two words, adoption and sonship, and they bring up all kinds of ideas or thoughts. Adoption, adoption is something that we sort of... uh, it, it depends on your experience with it, how you feel about it. You, you hear a lot these days in terms of adoption, who, who were your real parents? As though the parents who cared for you, who, who loved you, who wanted you, who desired you, weren't your real parents. And there's almost a stigma attached to it. What I love about the gospel is that Jesus was adopted by Joseph. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Joseph decides that he will raise the child as his own. And Matthew's gospel shows us very clearly that it was, that it was Joseph's lineage that gave Jesus the right to be the king of Israel. Was that a real parent? Adoption is at the core of our identity as Christians. We are born in Adam, right? Adopted and given new birth in Jesus Christ. So we all have a birth story. And I don't know what yours is. Some of you come from a place where father and mother intact, very good. Some of you come from a, a wide variety of those things. For some of you, the word father brings up all kinds of bad memories. But your birth story, whatever it is, gets redefined when you were adopted by God through Jesus. Amen. 
And then a kid cries out. It's like, yes. We've been working on that for weeks. (laughs) Adoption, right, causes us pause. But in truth, it's this beautiful picture of being wanted. And the proof that there is no child that is illegitimate or unwanted in God's eyes. And so he uses adoption even as a picture of our salvation and the reality that we experience. And the the other term is adopted as sons of the father. That could cause some tension for some of us uh, who, who... aren't men who don't identify with being a son, but I want you to understand why that language is used by Paul. He's speaking into a Roman context. And to show exactly what happened when Christ adopted us is he uses the picture of a a male son who is adopted into a family and given full Roman sort of sonship which wasn't allowed to be given to women. At that time, women would get dowries as they were married. But, but the son would receive inheritance. And so he says, Where, wherever you are, when you've come to Christ, you've been brought into the family and you are, are given a legal standing as an adopted male child in Roman culture. You have all the blessing of that identity in the home and the inheritance thereof. So for some of you, you go, well, that's offensive. But, but I promise you, the original hearers were not offended. They were astonished. It goes back to just a few verses earlier in chapter 3 where he says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. It is an astonishing sonship. They would have heard what he was saying, that, that whether you're a woman or you're a slave or you're a Jew or a Gentile, you were all brought into this family. You were all given legal standing as a, as a son who can inherit the whole thing. For that means that the seeds of liberation were in the gospel, are in the gospel at the very beginning. Whether it's gender issues or economic oppression or if it's race issues. The Gentiles for, for, would have only understood sons of God as children of Israel. But here we are all brought in. The, the level playing field gets redefined at the foot of the cross. You are all given the fullness of sonship that was Jesus's, and he gives it to you. That has massive implications for us. As we think about our lives, as we think about our stories, as we think about uh, all that we aren't or should have been, the bottom line is that when God sees you, he sees you as a son and he sees you as a daughter. And it is this beautiful picture of not only grace but transformation. You have an identity before God. And it isn't your past. And it isn't what you lacked or didn't have growing up. It is who you are in Christ. 
You are an adopted into his sonship. Cognitively, we get that, perhaps. But if you could, if you could wrestle that down, what implications does that have if you were to let Jesus and his salvation redefine your understanding of who you are before God? For Paul, he was saying, so you can't earn that. You can't use the law and religious duty to work your way up to that. The only thing you can do is to receive it. You are a son. You are a daughter through Jesus Christ. But how do we experience it is the question. Look at verse 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts so you could experience the fullness of this relationship. This is how salvation works. God initiates it. Christ accomplishes it through the cross and the spirit brings it into reality, into an experienced reality for us. Sonship is through Christ. That is only gonna happen. If you want intimacy with God, it really isn't about reading more books or figuring out how you can make yourself more spiritual. If you want intimacy with God, it's about you stepping into what God has already given you. Experience that, right? Own that. Allow by faith those things to be applied to how you see yourself, how you see others, how you see your relationship to the Father, how you understand your past. That's intimacy with God. The spirit of the son is the way that the father and son indwell you. It's the way the father and son are present in your life by the spirit of the son. It's all the more sort of mind-blowing when you think back about what Paul said in, in the first, second chapter of Galatians where he said, Jesus Christ who loved me and who gave himself for me. Well, the one who loved you and gave himself for you is present in you by his Holy Spirit. And that spirit that indwells you cries out from within you with the exact same language of the Son. He cries out, you are my Abba, Father, right? Abba is a title of intimacy. Uh, there is a man quite a long time ago who did a study on it, Joe Kim Jeremias, and he talked about uh, four different kind of aspects of the word Abba. He said, first, it's an address of intimacy used oftentimes by children by sons and daughters in an Aramaic home. We tend to think of it as, um, 
We don't really do this so much with our parents, but we definitely do it with grandparents. You know how grandparents have a bunch of, uh, they all have sort of pet names? A lot of times, it's, you don't really say grandfather, grandmother, maybe some of you do, but it's always like Papa and Mimi and uh, Bucky and whatever you do, you know? And, and, and the grandparents aren't offended by that. They, it distinguishes them. They're like, that's me. That's my. And it's a term of intimacy. It's a term of endearment. It's how you know which grandparents are which sometimes. So Abba sort of functions that way, but, but differently. Right? But it's this term of endearment that is more of a language of dad. Like it's a term of intimacy. And so they use this in the Aramaic home. But Jesus' use of the term in talking to the God as his father is unique to him in all known Jewish literature. Like nobody spoke to God the way he did. Nobody addressed God, the way he did, he called him Abba. He used that language of intimacy. And at times, people, Pharisees, religious leaders, they they wanted to kill him for it. Third, is that when he prayed that the father was his Abba, he revealed that he knew who he was as the son. Right, So when you say dad or mom, you are simultaneously talking about who you are as a son or a daughter. So he revealed that he understood his identity. And then he does the most radical thing. He invites you, his disciples, to use the term for the father as well. That is an extension of of grace. See, when you think about how you pray, what language you use, and sometimes prayer can be kind of funky, like particularly in religious circles, we, we speak differently when we pray than we talk normally. And ha- you've had those moments where you're looking at the person going, how did that happen? It's, they just learned this whole very beautiful thing they did, but, and then you don't want to pray because you sound like, oh, duh, well, right? But... But there's a difference between the language of dear God and my father, right? Dear God has distance to it. It's a little generic. It's kind of dear God. It's like Mr. Officer, dear God. Sometimes you say those at the same time. <laughs> dear God, hello, Mr. Officer, right? It's, <laughs> and it works that way. But my father... Or dare you go as intimate as dad, right? Imagine the scandal. The creator of the universe, you're going to call him dad? How dare you? How unreverenced of you. That's what the spirit of God inside you does. He cries out with the cry of the son. It's the spirit of the son inside of you, crying out to the father, Abba, you are my father. And I am your son, your daughter. It is language of intimacy and it's language of relationship. 
And so why, why don't we walk in this experience? Why uh, do some of you go, I'm wrestling with that cognitively. Others of you like, I understood it, but I don't experience it. Why does that happen? And, and why haven't I received my adoption or walked into my adoption? And I would say this. I would say never underestimate the depths of sin in your own heart. And when I say sin, almost all of you get this sort of blinking light on your control panel that thinks of bad behaviors. And that is, those are sin too. But there's a deeper sin. A sin of motive, a sin of intent, a sin of passive rejection, a sin that says I want sort of this autonomous thing, a sin of unbelief. Our sin pushes back against the beauty and the benefit and the blessing of the gospel, which is your adoption and the spirit of God indwelling you with the cry of Abba. Some of you reject it on the basis of saying, I'm not a real son or daughter. It's that language that I'm other, I'm in the family, but I don't belong. You are wanted. The cross of Christ should level any doubt about the goodness of your God and the greatness of your God and his love for you. Some of you feel like, well, I'm here, but I'm illegitimate. It's like God saved the world and they just cast out a big net and then I showed up in the net and everyone's like, oh, well, I guess we'll take him, you know. I felt that way when I, it's an issue of shame, uh, when I became a follower of Christ, it's like I was so far behind on doing this thing right. And I'd read the Bible and I'd say, hey, look what I learned. And they'd look at me like, he's going to start his cult one day. and Because uh, I'm trying to apply it and I'm misreading it and all these things. And you just feel like I'm here. I shouldn't be here. But somehow I got saved. You have to deal with it. I'm sort of ashamed of it. But whatever. We're all going to heaven. Um, but that's pride in me, it says, should I by my own weakness, my own inability, have the power to discount what God did through the gospel? Is my weakness greater than his grace? Is my weakness greater than his naming of me as a son? Is my inability greater than the love that he lavished on me? Is my cry of shame greater than his cry of Abba? So I repent of that. For some of you, you would say, I, I, I'm a slave, not a son. I'm comfortable with serving, comfortable with duty, I'm comfortable with earning, I'm comfortable with an economic relationship of how this Christian thing works. I'm not comfortable with calling him dad. I'm not comfortable with being embraced. I'm not comfortable with whatever that Holy Spirit thing is you're talking about. So I will just live a religious life where I negotiate the relationship through my works. That's sin. That is not salvation. That's not the gospel. That is a pride rooted in your control that you have to lay down on the day of your adoption. 
For some of you, you're saying, I'm clinging to my own father's story. I cannot enter into this. I can't receive it. I can't experience because of the father's story that I came up with. When I cried, Abba, he wasn't there. When I showed up, he came back with abuse. Whatever those issues are, as complicated as they may be. Clinging to your own father's story is still to say, I mean, you're sort of like, well, how could that be sin? Because I was the victim, which is true. And there's healing, there's grace, and I would never undermine that. But I would say this, it is arrogant to assume that that story is greater than his story. That the power to name you as unwanted was greater, that your father had greater power than the father, right? And that might frustrate you, it might tick you off, but you have to wrestle with that through the eyes of faith. Did my father have more power in my life to name me than the father who gave his son to adopt me and sent his spirit into my heart to cry out to him? And if your answer is yes, then that's unbelief and that's sin. And you repent of that. When we receive our adoption, it is to understand that we receive it by grace. And it's not simply an experience of ecstasy, which it is. When the spirit of God in you cries out to the father, there's a sense that you experience being loved, being accepted, peace, freedom, all those things. But there's, there's something even greater to that or something that will sustain you beyond feelings. And that is you are legitimately God's child. No matter, what your, no matter what your standing, no matter what your past, no matter what the color of your skin, your gender, your religious history, none of those things matter. You are legitimately God's child through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. And then secondly, you receive this cry as a cry of Intimacy. You're not just a legitimate child, but you're a wanted child. A child of God, a son and a daughter that God desires relationship with. Desires intimacy with. And so as Paul gets to chapter 4 and reveals in just two sentences the power of what it means to be adopted into sonship and the power that he sends his own spirit in our life to cry out to him. I want to talk for a second about how we discern the voice of the spirit from all other voices. Whether it's a spiritual voice of accusation, your own voice of shame, uh, a past voice of a, a parent or someone in your life. How do you distinguish this spirit that cries Abba? I would say there's a couple things. One, when it comes to sin. The spirit will always convict you, but not condemn you. Right? So it's one thing to go, oh man, that's in me. Even as we go through that list of ways that we reject our sonship, the spirit will go, that's here, that's real, that's in me, 
there's sorrow, there's grief, but let's do something about it. Where the accusation of the past or your own voice or whoever's voice will come with condemnation. You'll never be accepted. You'll, you, you've blown it. You're too far gone. Who could love you? People think this about you. God doesn't want to, anything to do with you. That is not the voice of the Spirit. And so when that, those voices come up, you rebuke them. Right? You take them captive and you listen for that still small voice and invite the Holy Spirit to search you and to willingly repent. The Spirit disciplines us but doesn't shame us. Right? So we learn through discipline. We learn when we, okay, I have to let this go. That's going to hurt. I have to turn from this. That's going to be hard. There's a discipline, a corrective But it's not a shaming. It's not this is who you are. Because what the spirit does is he will always affirm you as a son and a daughter. Right? Always. It's a voice of love. It's a voice of affirmation. It's a voice of belonging. It's a voice of being wanted. When you quiet your soul and you listen through the word. When you listen through your heart. The Holy Spirit is always going to be affirming his love and sonship. The Father and Son present in you by the Spirit. Not a distant, silent rejection. For some of you, there's fear even to quiet your soul and invite the Spirit to speak to you. Because it's like, well, what if if nothing happens, right? Or what if I hear something I don't want to hear? Or what, you know? But it's a relationship with a God you can trust. Okay? So step out. Because the other thing that's true about the Spirit is the Spirit in you desires God. Desires to cry out, Abba, Father. That's the spirit in you. That longing for intimacy, that longing for connection, that longing. That's the Holy Spirit driving you to the Father. And and, and when you reject it, where will you go? You will go into religious duty. I should pray because I should pray. And I should read the Bible because that's good. And I should blah, 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 blah. But that's not relationship. And the spirit is always drawing you into relationship. And this moves the gospel from our head, cognitive, I get it, to our heart. I taste it, I touch it, I experience it, I cry, Abba, Father. Which means that this story, this old gospel, redefines our stories, redefines our father's stories. For those of you who come from a fatherless situation, And you cried out, Abba, and there was no response. Then this gospel redefines that story, redefines you. Says you are wanted. You have been pursued. You are a legitimate son and daughter. You've been given the cry of the only son of God. And he's put it in your heart by his spirit. You are not fatherless. You are missing an earthly father. But you are not fatherless. 
If you are a single mom, it means that you can raise your children with an anticipation and expectation, the reality that they too are not fatherless. That, that father in our world is derivative of the father and we have been the ones to tweak it and mess it up and not do a great job with it. But with confidence, you can call your children as single moms to trust the father. If you're adopted and for whatever reason that brings shame to you, then you can stand today and realize we've all been adopted and there is no cause for shame because you are wanted, you're beloved, right? If you are raising kids as a mother, as a father, particular fathers, you have an opportunity as you live out your own sonship to turn around and create a context for your children where this won't sound so crazy. Where it would be familiar to go from calling you dad to calling him father, right? It would be familiar from feeling your embrace to being able to say that's actually how Abba embraces us. You have that opportunity, but you will not do it out of duty. You will not succeed out of it in the flesh. It's only going to overflow from your own experience of being a son of God, being a daughter of God. You are a beloved child. Adopted by God through Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Spirit of the Son who calls out from within you, Abba, Father. Look at verse 7. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir This identity as sons and daughters of God is secured by being named an heir. This isn't a temporary thing where you're not just embraced for a little bit, but you are sealed right now by the Spirit and you await, we all await, our full redemption of these broken bodies. But you are secure knowing that that God is confronting any sense that you are illegitimate by making you an heir. He's confronting your sin that says, I can do this without God, by saying, actually, you're part of my family. And so what we do is we come and we are humbled by the abundance of the grace we received and the grace that awaits us in your inheritance in Christ. There are two words that show up here that as we consider receiving our adoption and experiencing it through the spirit are really central. And that's the word sent. It shows up twice. The father sent the son and the father sent the spirit of God. The spirit of the son. And that word sent implies something and it implies wanted. It applies that there is a father who desires you, who has come after you. 
It's very uncomfortable for us to feel like God wants us, for many of us. For a couple of you, you're like, well, who wouldn't, right? And you have a whole different sermon that I'll preach to you some other time. (laughs) One of the, the beautiful parables that Jesus told was out of Luke 15 of the prodigal son. And it's about a son who takes his father's inheritance and basically says, I wish you were dead. Give me my half of the estate. He goes, he blows it, he parties. And then he comes to his senses when he's totally broke. But here's what he says. I have sinned against heaven and against my father. I'm going to go back to him and say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And for many of you, that is how you feel. I've squandered my life. I've squandered grace. I've squandered sonship or daughterhood. I've squandered this all. So, so the best shot that I have is to be a servant. And when the story continues, he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And that's the father's response to your invitation to be a slave. He embraces you as a son and a daughter. And he throws a feast. He said, my son was a dead and now he's alive. My son was lost and now he's found. That is the economy of God. He doesn't think good, bad. He thinks lost, found. Right? He thinks dead, alive. And so today, as he looks out at this crowd of people that sit here today, the question is are you lost or are you found? Are you dead or are you alive? Have you been embraced? Have you felt his kiss? Have you received your adoption? There are two ways that I'm calling you down here today to pray at these doors. The first is for those of you who would say, I've never received Jesus Christ. I've never received being adopted as a son or daughter. And today, why would you leave here without it? Right? Because this is the story of love for you. And the second group of people that I would call you down here to pray are those of you who know this cognitively, you wrestle with it, but you've never experienced it. You've never experienced the Holy Spirit from within you crying out, Abba, Father. And people will be at these doors and they will pray with you so that you can leave here having experienced the intimacy of the relationship that purchased, that Christ purchased for you. This is a table that was set for you by the Father through the death of the Son, made real to you by the Spirit today. And you come now, you come as sons and you come as daughters, and you cry out at this table, thank you, Abba, with the very cry of the Son, who is broken and poured out for you. Let's pray. Father, today I ask, just very simply,
that your Holy Spirit would move people all across the auditorium today to receive their sonship in Christ. God, would you today give them the courage to come forward and to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord, you as their Father, and the Spirit into their life affirming that they are your children. And then secondly, God, there are so many among us that hear it in their head but never feel it in their heart who want to call you uh, God but not Father, who want to be a slave and a servant but not a son or a daughter. Father, today I pray that you would give them the courage to come and receive the Holy Spirit, filling them with the cry of the Son who calls out to you as our Abba. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you are interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.imagodaycommunity.com.